On today's show for Monday, March 20th, we're diving into what's there to learn about the Cavs. We'll talk about all of that on this new episode. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I'm Chris Manning from You're the Sword, from Diamond Uprox, from Cleveland Magazine, the Just Basketball Show. That man over there is Evan Damerel, the proprietor of Write Down Euclid. This episode is, as always, produced. Formerly Fear the Sword, currently yeah. locked on Cavsing. That's right. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That is pricepicks.com. The promo code is locked on. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. For producing the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Shouts to Dylan Stewart. All right. Segment one today, we're going to look at the Wizards game from Friday. Segment two, we're going to look at Mamedi Diakite and just him getting minutes of late and just why that's kind of interesting. And Lisa, in segment mm-hmm. three, what is there left to learn? But Evan, let's start with Cavs Wizards. I'm going to hit you with just a couple stats from this game that ex- just explain how silly this was. Okay. Uh-huh. Number one, the Cavs, the first Cavs player to hit a three-pointer was Darius Garland. That was it with 8.24 left to go in the fourth quarter. Think about that. that. The is, first starter, the first starter yeah. to hit a three, 8.24 in the fourth quarter. And this On is the, against the Wizards, correct? Yeah, this is, the, this is the only game they have played since the last time we recorded. Just making sure. Cavs are now 3-0 and on the year when Donovan Mitchell does not make a three in a game. That's an odd stat, especially considering just how much three-point shooting Mitchell on paper added to this offense and how, like, the Cavs have found a lot of spacing because of it. I mean, I know they still struggle to find consistent shooting outside of Garland and Mitchell, but that is fascinating. And, you know, tip your cap to J.B. Bickerstaff a little bit there, uh, predicating the game being one in the paint and kind of flat-out dominating a team on the interior, like... Hey, you are more of a chameleon than I thought you were, where you're able to adapt to certain situations and what the defenses are and are not giving you. Or if you're in Donovan Mitchell's case, your shot just isn't there that night. This game, Evan, was not competitive. The Cavs, I don't even think, like, by their standards, like, played well. They did not, like, I, they took the, the, the kind of a, a break in the third quarter and this game got closer when it didn't have to be and they just kind of cruised and it was... Not competitive. Like I, I, I look at this is one of those games where like when okay, there will be games when we get before the playoffs and that little window we have that I will like go back and rewatch some clips. I will go back and rewatch some sets. I will go back and look at some numbers and some schematic things and try to just like, okay, what are these games against these certain opponents and schemes and the timing of the season? What can I take from these and apply to the playoffs? Mm-hmm. This is absolutely one of those games that I will like I you can just like put Sharpie through and say, I don't need to think about this game in a real way ever again. No, I, I don't think so. Just because, like you said, I, I didn't wasn't there for the game live on Friday, but I did go back and watch it on Saturday morning. Um, and it was mostly non-competitive just because the Cavs came out swinging. I think they're finding a bit of a groove right now, especially this is helpful when they're heading towards the playoffs or like 
Some folks are asking him, are they peaking right now? I don't think they're peaking. I just think they're hitting another stride, maybe tapping into some of the gas they left in the tank for this final stretch so they aren't maybe one, scrambling like they were last year, but two, just kind of having a lot of positive momentum when you probably host New York or Brooklyn in the first round. Um, but regardless, this this is a, a game, yeah, like you said, I would like just put a Sharpie through. Um, this is a game where just like your best offensive player and best player overall didn't have it. The fact that Darius Garland didn't hit a three-pointer until the fourth quarter is still surprising just in terms of just the starters. And sure, like you have shooters like Karis LeVert and Jetty Osmond off the bench to maybe supplant some of that. But I just think Mitchell is more on more often than not that sure you will kind of just say this is an aberration. But also just the fact that for me, if you are to take anything from it, like I agree with you, like just put a line through this, say like, eh, it's just a crappy night for the Cavs in terms of shooting, but they still found a way to win. The fact that they're it's not, able a, it's to... not even just they found a way to win; it's that the Wizards are crappy and the Cavs. Oh, are the not Wizards crappy. are bad, and they took care of business, but like they adapted what was working for them, and that was obviously predicating shots on the interior versus three point shots from the starting lineup, and they won the game that way like i think that's just at least encouraging because it shows the Cavs are at least a little bit more dynamic than we give them credit for because some people complain about how jp Bickerstaff doesn't make adjustments at halftime or things like that and sometimes there's like some questionable calls down the stretch or when the games are tight but like the Cavs seem to just be finding their groove a little bit and just finding that comfort level where they're like okay we will take what the defense gives us and tonight like washington is giving us whatever we wanted it's just our shots aren't falling so let's just keep killing them on the inside like that's the only thing i can really take from this but We'll talk about this a lot more in the third segment. When I was talking about it with Justin Rowan, we're at the point in the season where I just don't think there is much stock left that you can take from the Cavs. Like, Sam Merrill isn't going to come in and be a difference maker. Danny Green is going to be a guy who plays a lot of garbage minutes. Like, we have a pretty, pretty clear understanding of what the rotations and lineups are at this point. It's just now, what hasn't J.B. Bickerstaff shown come playoff time that he's maybe holding in his back pocket so he can spring it on a team like New York or Brooklyn and maybe make the series a lot more easier and just kind of clean up shop and make it a best of five instead of like a best of seven. What I, what I, the only thing that I think like, I think is like exactly worth hitting on is that again, Evan Mobley was the, the star of this game to me. Oh, he was so good. Um, He's a defensive alien and like he's in the top three of the NBA.com like defensive player of the year thing now. Uh, uh, like it was said post game, like I think by Mitchell that it was like, like he should be in that running, you know. I I think it is like clear how good he is defensively. Like there's a couple of moments in this game where Bradley Beal is facing him after there's a switch, and Beal just doesn't look at the basket. Like Beal yeah. is Beal, Beal is an accomplished scorer, three level scorer, makes a crap ton of money. Like is is a guy that is like skilled. Like for all of his like nice. limitations, like is a great player. I'm really look. I yeah. would love that contract. I would love a tenth of no. That I that's why I laughed because it said like yeah. I mean. Brad Beal's the all-time bag chaser. So much just... money, and I love that for him. But to your but point, like, but like, look, I'm not, I'm not done. Mobley, <laughs> Mobley is just like Beal is this guy who just looks at him and is like, okay, like I'm just not even gonna try. I'm gonna Mm-mm. dribble out. Like I'm at the rim, I'm gonna dribble out. I'm on the switch, I'm gonna give up the ball. He doesn't do that against like 97, 98 percent of other players in the league. Yeah. It, it's one of those moments where, like, it's a sign of respect, I think, just for Evan Mobley. Like, teams just respect how good he is defensively. Like, it reminds me of the moment when the Heat were playing the Spurs in the finals many moons ago, and LeBron saw Kawhi check in, and you could see LeBron was visibly annoyed after that. Like, Evan Mobley kind of has that impact where 
he's just an alien, like you said, defensively. And I, I don't think he'll win Defensive Player of the Year this year just because you can make a pretty solid argument for the guys ahead of him as well. But yeah. like all defensive team honors are certainly feel realistic. It's crazy that we're like having this conversation. We're like, oh, he could be defensive player of the year, but he's definitely all defense. And it's only year two in his career. And he's only going to get better and better and better. But I, I don't I'll pull the stat up if I can. But like he's one of the best isolation defenders in the league, too. So like the fact that he's comfortable defending players in space, especially like bona fide bucket getters like. um, um Bradley Beal like that or the fact that like. You and I were talking about it heading into this game. You were interested in see how he defended Kristaps Porzingis. And sure, Porzingis had 20 and 9, but like it was on 7 to 16 shooting and he was 1 of 5 from three point land. And like Kyle Kuzma effectively had his water shut off too by just how the Cavs are playing him defensively. And a lot of that just is heliocentric to Evan Mobley and his overall impact on the game. And it's just wild to watch how much of a catalyst he is for helping this team win, but especially just on the defensive side of the ball. Cause he just does all these little things. You're like, Holy crap. What can't he not do at this point? Yeah. Lamar Stevens guarding Chris Tapps, like goes actually like did a very good job for, and he, yeah. that's the guy who drew the assignment for most of the game with, uh, with, with Mobley defending Daniel Gafford and eating up space. All right, we're going to go into the break. We're going to come back and talk about my BD Kite who played in a <laughs> second straight game for the Cavs against the wizards. Didn't play well, but he played. And we'll talk about maybe what that means. Today's episode, though, is brought to you by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is really, really fun daily fantasy sports. All I have to do is pick two to six players. And if they go score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money. There's no competing against other people, it is just you versus the projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball. That's obviously very timely. Soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, mm. disc golf, and more. Enders can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. That code down is right down there on YouTube. It's below Evan's head. It's gone now. It's gone now, yeah. It was there, and it vanished. All right. And it's gone. Evan, Mamadi Diakite. Mm-hmm. I find Diakite interesting, but I, I find, but I also think it is, it is telling that he is playing right now when he's not playoff eligible. It is telling. I think that's... I, it's tough just because... I don't know. The Cavs could flip things around and obviously cut Sam Merrill and then sign Diakite and just I don't know how the financials work out there. Well, then, I mean, the, then, the cut would be like Windler, I think. You don't sign Sam Merrill, then you just cut him. You'd be like, hey, like Dylan Windler, adios. We're going to bring in Diakite. I think that's what you do. And I I understand the thought process. Um, I understand how the Cavs are utilizing Diakite more than they are Isaiah Mobley just because. Mobley is dealing with a bit of a knee issue. I'm sure people have seen the brace on him, but like he, they want him getting as much run and burn as possible. It's just like the primary offensive and defensive hub with the charge. And 
funnily enough, like his brother, he's a bit of a catalyst for the charge and them kind of turning around their season this year. But the fact that uh, Diakite is getting some burn, I think, just tells you that, hey, Robin Lopez may not just be physically having it anymore. The gas might just be out of the tank on him. Um, and the Cavs are just kind of finding stuff that works. And maybe Diakite gives you enough of a spark, like you had said, leading into the segment that, hey, he hasn't done much, but he might be providing you more than what Robin Lopez is giving you. And maybe JB likes the looks that he's getting from Diakite, especially on defense when he's out there. And that's it's it's in a similar vein to like Lamar Stevens, where if you play hard, especially on the defensive side of the ball, JB Bickerstaff will find minutes for you in his rotation. Sure, it's a tight rotation, but he'll find minutes for you nevertheless. And with Jared Allen out, I think you just kind of have to like plug and play this a little bit until he's able to return. And I know Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com said there's optimism that he will return. He is an Allen in one of the two upcoming Brooklyn games, but we'll see how it goes. And the Cavs are doing okay with the Akita in those minutes. Like I'm sure you can squash that with any advanced numbers right now, but Oh, I'm not I'm not even bothering to look at the Diakite like advanced numbers because it's like he's playing so little that I'm just like, all right, what is he doing on film? What is what does he offer? And that that's really all that matters it's, to me. What he offers is just energy, and he grinds on defense. He's an undersized center, and I think he can give Evan Mobley just a brief respite. Um, I don't have the num- the time in front of me of how long players played against Washington. Let me pull this up. He played like he played like twelve ish minutes. But like Evan nine Mobley played thirty five minutes, and then yeah. you see like Mamadi Diakite got 12 minutes. So, like, he, that was just to give him immobile a breather on the floor. Like, their numbers actually go hand in hand with each other for the full 48. So, you just put Diakite out there. I think he has full understanding of the defensive concepts just because the Charge run virtually the same system the Cavs do with different terminology. But it, it makes sense. And to your point, it, it does make you wonder, like, hey, could the Cavs find a way to get him on the roster just in case, like, Jared Allen still isn't 100% come playoff time? That's a very fair conversation to have, maybe when we're getting closer to the end of the season. But it does make you wonder, like, what can the Cavs do to have Diakite be available? Because he is an upgrade over Robin Lopez. And I think you're probably not going to play him come playoff time, but you'd rather have, like, a high-energy, younger, cagier defensive big like Diakite versus Robin Lopez is very much over the hill and here for the vibes. So, I don't know. You have to, like, work it out. And maybe your Windler point is where you go with it, but... I mean, the Cavs are under the tax. They can eat the money if they want to. Yeah, it would it would be tight, but the, I think they could do it. The, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. It's just like cutting Windler and then signing Diakite. Like, that's a lot of money maneuvering, and I don't have... Rest in peace, early bird rights. I don't have a full understanding of it. Yeah, and I haven't updated my cap sheet since, like, the Danny Green and Kevin Love stuff, and, like, that... Otherwise, I would, like, have that, and that's my fault. But um, what I what I think is probably the more interesting question... Well, number one, he's also playing ahead of Dean Wade. And that feels like sort of notable as well. I understand Dean Wade is also not a center, but it's like, hey, we need to like fill some big minutes. Let's yeah, give Dean, like, and Dean Wade. Dean Wade's been awful. Play. He's been awful. But it's, just, it's and, telling that he didn't go to Dean Wade. That to me is just telling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Yeah. Now the con- the uh, context of the picture you sent to Danny Cunningham and I have Windler and Wade on the floor together. No, that, no, that was more. no, that was just because Dylan Windler was on the floor. That was just yeah. because, hey, he's, he had a three right before that. Nice. Good for Dylan Windler. Then he had 20 and seven for the Cleveland charge on Saturday night. So Playing he was back. a very busy man. Playing so, back to backs. Look at him. Yeah. Um, I mean, either way, I think, yeah, it is telling a little bit that it's just the Cavs can't trust Dean Wade to actually provide them something on offense right now. 
and they'd rather go with a guy who's probably a little bit, or not probably, is a lot more solid defensively in Dikite and could probably handle some of those grind out minutes at the center spot. So when and you think about back, like giving yeah. the backup four starting four minutes to Lamar Stevens and Evan Mobley. Yeah. So I think the bigger question is you look ahead to next year with with Diakite, with Mobley, with with Lopez or another veteran. How would you how Evan, if you were Kobe Altman and Mike Gansey and the coaching staff, how would you look at backup center for next season behind behind Allen, behind behind Mobley? Um, it depends where Isaiah Mobley's at and his development in the Cavs eyes, because when Mobley had his media availability prior to them heading out to Vegas for summer league, he said, like, I understand what my role is. My job is to provide shootings and playmaking, but more importantly, back up my brother and Jared Allen. So I know a friend of the program, Justin Rowan, when we had him on and he said it like off the air too, like he believes Isaiah Mobley is definitely going to be a rotation player next year. But obviously we'll see where the Cavs feel about his development and maybe like it's cheap cost controlled talent. Like you bring in Mobley, on maybe a shade above the Kobe Altman special, you signed Diakite to that, and like that could be like some of your reserve bigs because maybe you just lean a little bit further into the youth movement as your younger guys get older and kind of enter their prime, and you don't maybe need like a veteran big like Robin Lopez because you have two that have been developing in house for the last year, and you could just sign Diakite and Mobley to those deals and let them kind of be like your third or fourth bigs, depending on how the rotations pan out. Cause there's obviously bigger fish to fry in terms of just the shooting in the middle part of the ro- rotation. But I think having those guys and even Sam Merrill in that regard too, is on a cheap, like year to year contract with Cleveland as well. Like that gives you the luxury of adding like young depth that you've been developing. And then also like, they're just, they have a full understanding of what's expected of them. At least I don't know. I, I, it all depends on where Mobley's at physically. And like, do they think like, okay, yeah, he can be, or back up four or five and play like 10, 15, 20 minutes a night or do some fun units with his brother and stuff like that. That's a that's a pill to swallow next year. And if he's not ready, then maybe you go back to the veteran market and look at what you have and just kind of keep monitoring his development to see if like, OK, we can wipe off this roster, roster spot with the veteran guys, bring in Mobley instead and just rinse and repeat and just bring up this hypothetical and can down the line a bit. Yeah, they, so they will have, just for context of the roster picture, the Cavs, if you include Sam Merrill and Lamar Stevens, whose deals are non-guaranteed for next year, but you would think at least I, Stevens... I yes, would assume I'd be, both... I'd be, I'd be surprised if Stevens doesn't get his year guaranteed. Yeah, they, that seems obvious. And even like Merrill, like, I think like there's you signed up that contract probably thinking he's going to be on the team next year, and Jetty Osmonds is, is non-guaranteed as well, so they have three non-guaranteed spots next year. But if let's just say all of those deals are guaranteed. That'll be 10 guys that they've signed a contract. So obviously, Karis LeVert is a free agent, and you have one second-round draft pick. So let's just assume they draft someone they, they bring in, and they re-sign Karis LeVert, which I, th- I think would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Three open roster spots. You have a... You, I feel... I You know, we'll see what they do with them, but it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe go, okay, like, let's get two kind of backup bigs in here. Um, You know, maybe they're both on kind of Kobe Altman specials where it's like some non-guarantees, mm-hmm. and... They offer different things. I don't think you need both of them long term, but I, I I wonder if this this Dikite minute stuff of late is in part like, okay, we kind of know we know exactly what Rolo is. Yeah, we know where we are as a team. Like we know that we know what we know what this team is. Maybe it's just like let's see what he offers and get us a little bit of a look before we have to kind of decide what's going to happen with him in the summer. I wonder if that yeah. that is part of the calculus here. I do think that's part of the calculus. There was the time when the Cavs played the Sixers. Diakite was the starting three, and he looked a little overwhelmed at times. But like there was other moments, like okay, yeah, I can see the vision a little bit. But 
it's a process. And to your point, like they have three open roster spots. Maybe they throw that full mid-level exception at like a wing upgrade or some type of tangible upgrade. And like, let's say, I know he missed both free throws, but like Grant Williams, if the Cavs wanted to throw their full MLE at him and maybe structure out a contract to keep did him you, in there. Uh, did you see what happened with him at the end of the Celtics game the other night? He got blocked at the buzzer and uh, he took the heat. They tried <sighs> to... They try- they tried to set up the play where Tatum gets a screen at half court and instead they inbounded to Grant and he drove at the rim and got blocked. And I was like, oh man, maybe this That's guy should just like not touch the ball late at games anymore because the vibes are bad. The vibes are bad. He's a good start. He's a good at setting the table, but he can't bring you dessert. So maybe like a guy like, like I don't know, like we keep saying like a guy like Larry Nance Jr. makes a ton of sense for this team, like a, some type of like jack of all trades, master of none, like three, four bigger player. And you just commit like a your most of your money this summer to that and then you make cheap cost controlled signings like Diakite, like Mobley, and then you keep guys like Stevens and uh Merrill on the back end of stuff too, just because like those are plug and play pieces. And also guys that are have younger legs compared to Robin Lopez and can maybe give you the luxury of rusting guys like Allen or Mobley, uh especially if you want to kind of like level up from hey, we made the playoffs, like let's go make some noise and try and make the NBA finals at this point. So like you gotta like I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought process just because like the Cavs have been developing some pretty good talent in the, with the charge this year. And I'm curious to see like how they go about like addressing the back end of the rotation. Like I don't think Sharif Cooper would stick with this Cavs team, but like he's been killing it for the charge and it'd be hard to kind of like watch that walk away if you're Cleveland. Yeah, I think they might be. I think they, I think it's telling they went with Sam Merrill on 10 days and then signed him versus like doing that with Sharif Cooper. I think that that it's Cooper's been awesome this year, but it's like that to me is telling. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if they'll resign Lamar is the other thing because like they could do what they did with Dean Wade, which is last year the deal signed to an extension out of their sign extension kicks in at a at a at a number. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan and the Nissan Aria. They're amazing, awesome EV. Evan, we're giving out the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. And again, it's brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. I think this week we have to go with Evan Mobley. Yeah, Evan Mobley is a killer. Yep, and more often than not, Evan Mobley is electric. He's dynamic. He uh, carries the cabs when the cabs are out of gas through his electricity alone. And the fact that he's just such a dynamic player on either end of the floor just cannot be understated. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's wild to think that the Cavs got the best player from that draft class, especially considering like how good Scotty Barnes and Kate Cunningham are. And like Jalen Green could be really good too. But like Evan Mobley is NBA ready right away, and he just continues to get better. And it's just crazy to watch. And speaking of getting better, Chris, nothing's quite better than getting you behind the wheel of a Nissan Aria. Yeah, it's electric. It's brilliantly fierce. It's powerful. It delivers on duality, just like Evan Mobley. It's a combination of fierceness and elegance. Beautiful but strong. It's the perfect SUV crossover. Look, the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your power, pin to your seat, power, and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all new, all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, and Evan, the Built Bar March Madness bracket is here. I know. We all know. Everyone has a favorite bar or a puff. And now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. Look, I know I'll be riding with the cookie, any cookie dough flavor forever. Evan, what, what are you riding with in this bracket? <sighs> cookie dough is really good, but I may have to... Let me look at the brackets as we talk here. But, like, I, 
I, I really love the puffs, especially the uh, the raspberry puffs. Like, those are so freaking good, and I can't get over them. Look, and if you're, like, riding the tournament wave and you want, like, FDU or, like, some Princeton or one of these underdogs to make a run, you'll be voting for that for them for them too. Or if you want to just ride with all of them, you can. You can support your bar or puff or your t- and support your team. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 Lockdown listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one Locked On listener will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built Best Bars or Puff delivered monthly straight to your door. I mean, that's awesome. You got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. Remember, what makes them so good? They're high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote oh, every day in March, so is, hop in and support this your This is actually tough, guys. Like, I'm looking at some of these. Like, they have cookie dough puff, which is an underrated flavor, too. Yeah, just, just go have some fun with Bill Pars. All right, Evan, last segment, Lockdown Cavs here. Let's just, just, just ask the question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you first. What, what, what is left to learn? If you had to, I know there's, we, we've said that there's maybe not a ton. I know you and Justin talked about this. But kind of, what are you looking at these last nine games before we get to the playoffs? Uh, probably can Dean Wade get right? Can he find a little bit of that confidence just because sure the Cavs mollywopped the Wizards without hitting any three-pointers from their starter Sans Darius Garland in the fourth quarter. Um but the Cavs just need shooting on this roster and I think let's say they draw New York or Brooklyn and I think They'd prefer Brooklyn if they had to pick, but let's just say they draw New York and they take care of business against the Knicks. They're likely going to have to face um, Milwaukee in the second round, and Milwaukee will be more than happy to frustrate Garland and Mitchell with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and then just form a wall, uh, expletive not included, as Van Gundy would once say, but with Giannis and Lopez and like they, the, the Bucks are like kind of the perfect foil for the Cavs defensively. And in order to do that, you just need to keep the defense stretched out a little bit. So you need guys like Dean Wade to maybe show up in spot minutes and provide you shooting or like Jetty Osmond as well, who I have more faith in than I do Dean Wade at this point, or even Karis LeVert, who is, I have a story coming out today actually about why the Cavs need to keep him and how like central he is to just kind of weirdly central to what they're building. But just a little more shooting maybe you can afford because because there's some i wouldn't say lesser opponents but like you have like a two games and three nights scenario in orlando coming up down the stretch like you could maybe get some weight minutes out of there and see if there's some juice there and just try and maybe figure out like okay we have seven guys figured out in this rotation jetty osmond is like a clear quote-unquote wild card for this rotation too but maybe you need just another option other than osmond especially if osmond gets roasted defensively and like wait and go out there and provide you passable defense but also shooting when that's the other important thing wade wade is where i would start as well because i like i think they clearly planned on him being in the rotation i think that is clear not just in what happened with kevin love but also they gave him a contract extension yeah like it's it's clear he's part of the future for this team but he has to play well to like be part of it is the thing and he hasn't yeah. played well i think like it tells you it's like like it's it's telling that like is un suboptimal the spacing is when you're going mobley stevens okoro as your five through three which is reverse how it should you, be said or, or whatever expand it and it's like Okoro, Stevens, Mobley, and Allen with like Donovan Mitchell running the show at point. Well, I'm like, but I mean, I mean, with the Allen starters of late, like you could have oh, been yeah, like, even yeah. that, like, 
that's it's, that's, it's what rough. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like you you put Stevens in there because he played well against Boston and he earned it and all that stuff. But you're like ah, like you're not. Wade would have been the guy to go in there if he'd been playing well, and you, and it felt like you could you could trust him to make shots, and you can't. And so you go okay. I go Lamar because he's he's bulkier, can provide you that same size on the wing. He's probably, I think, stronger than Dean Wade, to be honest with you. And yeah. he's and he's gonna like play within himself and understand who he is. That that is Lamar Stevens' superpower, is that he knows who he is. Hundred yeah. percent. That that is what makes Lamar Lamar. And the fact that he's a little not a little, he's very comfortable with not hand shouldering the scoring responsibility and just grinding on defense because it can't be understated. Lamar Stevens was a few points away from being Penn State's all time leading scorer just because he mostly focused on his offensive side of the game at Penn State and he admitted like listen I learned that defense is what's going to carry me and he knows like Chris said he knows what he is and who he is as a player where he's a 3-4 who really can't shoot he's a good slasher and has a lot of athleticism but more than anything he's just big enough to defend those guys in space and in isolation he's he's making it work for the Cavs and again credit where credit's due to the um, scouting department and the uh, front office just for finding these like unearthed gems in terms of like a UDFAs but Dean Wade is another one of those, too, where he went undrafted because of a foot injury, and he is at least fully healthy. We don't know if he's 100% with a shoulder, clearly, but, like, there's just something there. Like, his confidence has completely vanished when, at least on paper, and I talk about this a lot, like, at the early the early beginnings of the season, the Cavs ran lineups that had Wade, Okoro, um, Levert, one of Allen and Mobley, then Mitchell running point, like a lot of spacing, a lot of spread pick and roll stuff, a lot of flares and things you can do with that, like a lot of creative things you can do offensively. And if Dean Wade can just find his shot again, the Cavs can utilize that lineup really well and like find ways to make Mitchell, Mitchell, excuse me, hyper, hyper efficient more so than he already is. Other thing for me to watch is Danny Green because JB Bickers have said before Friday's game that, you know, he, the plan is, uh, to, to paraphrase what he said, to to get Green some minutes within the last stretch of the season, see what he can offer. I don't really have. I think like you know, if they felt really good about Green, I kind of suspect they would have played him by now. Like I think the Philly yeah. game would have made a lot of sense to to put him in and have him defend and have him just shoot threes. Like he can defend PG Tucker and shoot threes. I think, but I I I think if you're trying to see if you feel like he could give you anything in the playoffs, that is just something to watch and what they play him in, what kind of situation. Like the Orlando game might be fun just to see how he would defend someone as dynamic and skilled as as a Franz Wagner. You know, like that that is the kind mm-hmm. of guy that is just let's see how he holds up in that kind of environment. Maybe you play him against the Knicks or the Nets as well, just because those are your yeah. two likeliest playoff opponents, and you can just kind of get a feel for what Green could provide in the in those series, possibly. Yeah, I I agree with you on that, and I think. Other than that, um, just in terms of just like these last few games, like the Cavs have one of the easiest schedules in the NBA remaining. Like I'm sure they're going to have to be mindful of the standings and maybe we'll see how this two games and three nights in Brooklyn go. And then they come back home to play the Rockets on Sunday. Then they host the Knicks on Wednesday. Like the Cavs have a lot of time off to get healthy. And I think they just need to kind of take care of business over like the next handful of games, especially against New York. So maybe they don't experiment with green or even Wade in this capacity against the Knicks just because they're, there's a gap, but New York is still biting at the ankles of Cleveland for the four or five spot. So take care of that. And then maybe you like loosen up the leash a little bit and start giving guys DNP coaches decisions just because like you want them to be as physically right as possible. I mean, that's the last thing I'm watching is like, can the Cavs take advantage of all the off time they have in between their last few games of the season so they can get Mitchell's finger right. And maybe hopefully Allen is hundred percent with his eye too. And like, he's able to play and that I'm sure like, 
Evan Mobley's got some banged up issues. I'm sure Darius Garland's got some problems as well. Like the Cavs could really use this opportunity where they have large gaps of time to rest their guys and make sure they're 100% for the playoffs. Yeah, you don't get to this point of the season without without some knocks. Cavs have nine games left. The, the court it's weird to think. <laughs> and then, well, then the playoffs, which which we'll we'll see how long that goes. There are, the the winning percentage of their opposing opponents is 44.7 percent. That is the easy schedule the rest of the way. The second, for comparison, the, the Grizzlies have the second easy schedule the rest of the way, and they have 12 games left with a opponent winning percentage of 46.3. Cavs, here's, here's four of the teams the Cavs play down the stretch, just of note, which kind of puts it in comparison to some of these other teams. They play the Rockets next Sunday at home, which is just like, take care of business there, buddy. Play the Hornets again, who stink. You get the Magic twice, who are feisty but aren't very good. And you get the Indiana Pacers once more, and the Pacers are are very much uh, not, not very good, good, Bob. Not good. Magic are the f- like like they have three of the top. They've down the stretch. The Cavs play three of the five worst teams in the league right now. Yeah, and they nestled in there. They play um, Brooklyn twice, New York once, and I'm forgetting the last opponent too. So there's a, yeah. there's like a couple games. They obviously show up to all of them, but like some have a little bit of an extra edge to them. Um, for those watching slash listening, I'll be out in Brooklyn covering both of those games, but it'll be fun to see some playoff caliber test also for the Cavs just to maybe wind down their season and shift their focus to the postseason. Yeah. Just kind of uh, take care of business because I think they have this, the quote, the Golden State Warriors, the strength in numbers to take care of business against these bad teams. Can't believe that. Why would that weird, weird flex though? Weird, weird pull, weird pull. Rise up, man. Um, All in. Two one six. You're you're being light years ahead with 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 citing warrior stuff. That's some galaxy brain stuff. All right, I we're mean, I'm there. not calling people Trump supporters on Twitter, so let's not get that right, far. Right, let's just get out of here. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna on that episode. We're gonna talk about who the the better playoff opponent weed for Cleveland, the Knicks or the Nets. We're gonna talk about Ricky Rubio and how he's looked alive of late, and we're gonna preview that two game Nets series that Evan will we'll well, be in prison for. I, I hope he'd be alive. Uh, Evan, let me land the plane. Let me land they the plane. If they weaken it, Bernie's Ricky Rubio. That's weird. But yeah, anyway, see you guys let me tomorrow. Land, no, no, I have to land the plane properly. You got to let me land the freaking plane. Thanks again right, for making Sully. Lockdown Cavs your first. That's right. I'm Captain MF and Sully. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens. Check out the Mary on Spotify or Apple Music. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA that is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.